0: good to be with you this evening. It's been a little while. I think the last time I was here, we, I know, we worshipped in the, the big room, and this is, this is nice. I like this. just kind of cozy together. We don't want to be too cozy on a hot day like this, do we? But uh, this is just right. Um, and if we haven't met before, you probably hear that name Meyer, and you kind of raises questions. I am your Pastor Tony's brother, and I know, you know one curiosity leads to another. I am the old one. Um, Laughter we won't say anything about maturity because Tony isn't here to defend himself, but um, anyway, no, it's a pleasure to be able to be here and to know that Tony and Brant are having some good father-son time together, and um, this evening we're going to be looking at a passage in Luke 13, so if you took a Bible want to look that up, while you're looking that up, I have, yeah, I have my goodie bag here tonight with a few things. I have some uh, bean seeds that I'm going to pass around. There are enough of them. You can probably take two if you want, but one is enough, just something to have in your fingers. Um, so take one, pass them along, and look up Luke 13, and in just a couple minutes we'll be doing some reading from that passage. But I have other things in my bag here too. So I'm gonna start off just asking asking Big B coffee, you know, why do tall or grande when you can do venti, right? And now Big B even has this. I don't know what you call it. If you do bigger than Venti, what do you call it? There we go. I like that. Too expensive. Uh, Just give me tall. (laughs) You know, it leaves me wondering, um, 7-Eleven has their uh, super big gulp now. 40 ounces. 40 ounces. What are they doing? A 40-ounce drink for people like me who have a 16-ounce bladder. That just, you know, like totally does not make sense. But we seem to have this... Impression that the two words bigger and better go together, that they're a natural fit, like this envied ensemble that everybody wants bigger and better, right? And uh, so we're going to think about that a little bit tonight because as I uh, think about God's way, he made bigger and he made smaller, didn't he? He made the hippopotamus and he made the hummingbird. Um, and as I look at scripture, I see God saying some things that, you know, would indicate that bigger isn't always better. Sometimes small is a good thing. Uh, I uh, am sometimes encouraged when I feel small, when I feel weak, when I feel like, you know, like there's just not much influence in my life, not much purpose even. It, it's so encouraging to go to some of the places in the Bible, like First Samuel, where we get that story of this teenage boy, First Samuel 17, uh, uh, a young boy who confronts a nine foot plus giant, a a mighty warrior in his battle gear. And it's the little teenage boy who wins the battle. You know that story, don't you? David and Goliath. Smaller sometimes is big enough in God's plan. The church that I pastor, Intersection Ministries out in Holland, sometimes seems really small to me. We, on a good Sunday morning, maybe have about 130 people for worship. That's a good Sunday morning. Uh, But I'm often reminded, too, as I think about it, that on average, we're actually kind of a large congregation here in the United States. I don't know what you'd think the average U.S. Christian church size is, but I'm told the average membership is about 75 people. So most churches are pretty small. And as an encouragement to myself and those in my congregation, uh, I, I came across an article a couple of weeks ago. In fact, it was handed to me at a, at a, a, a seminar that I was attending. Just a pastor friend who handed it over to me. And, and it, the article says that... Um, how does this go? Uh, It makes the claim that 10 small churches have as much or more ministry impact than a megachurch with an equivalent number of members. So that was an encouragement. Small can be good. There can be dynamic and power and strength in small numbers, even though we sometimes feel so insecure about that. I came back to my office that same day, and there's this magazine lying on my desk waiting to be read. I open it up. The article says smaller churches have at least five advantages. So that, again, an encouragement to me. Uh, Because that's the context I'm in, and sometimes small feels really small and insignificant. And Jesus makes this point in Luke 13, that small can be okay. Maybe you feel small in your own life sometimes. um, And... And Jesus has something to say to us about small things that I think we can take to heart as we look at two parables. We're going to study two parables tonight, and Jesus wanted to keep these parables small. So each of them is two verses long. We're going to read just four short verses, two small parables, starting in Luke 13, uh, uh, verse 18. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? And, you know, I would think the kingdom of God, it's huge, right? The kingdom of God, I mean, that's, it's got to be big. What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and it began, became a tree, and the birds of the air perched in its branches. And again he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. And those are the verses we're going to take this evening for our learning. Jesus uses just these few words to give us two pictures. And pictures speak a thousand words, don't they? They tell us so much. We can gain so much out of these two little thoughts of a mustard seed and of of yeast um, actually, in my little bag of goodies, I, I brought both of them along just to illustrate for you. Give me just a second here. Takes a little work to capture these things. I found one in here. Okay. Okay. Ooh, yeah, there we go in my palm. So I have a mustard seed and I have yeast. I know you're impressed, right? (laughs) By how small they are. Don't tell the custodian. Now you know what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about small things here. In the first parable, he compares the kingdom of God to that mustard seed. And Jews typically thought of the mustard seed as being the smallest kind of seed. We've proven there are smaller seeds since then, but that's what they considered to be the smallest kind of seed. And in Luke 17, Jesus talks about that mustard seed as well and um, talks about it in, in the context of a person's faith. He says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to a mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. saying, just a little bit of faith. He's using that mustard seed again as the example, as the illustration. In today's text that we're looking at, in Luke 13, Jesus observes that when that tiny mustard seed gets planted down in the soil, it can grow as large as like a 15-foot-high tree, and it can be a place of hospice, hospitality. Birds can nest there. They can gather and cluster and group together. Uh, It's their gathering place. Then in that second parable, Jesus talks about that little fleck of yeast, the kingdom of God being like that little bit of yeast. The only time that I use yeast is when I make a a homemade pizza crust, and that's not very often. Um, I don't know how many of you uh, use yeast, but you know, I, I just take it out of. Come to the goodie bag. One of these packets of Fleischmann's yeast. Familiar to most of you, I would imagine? Yeah. Now, in Jesus' day, I don't think Fleischmann's was around. I don't think they were making yeast like this. But Jesus can talk about yeast because they did use it in their bread they'd uh, save a little bit of the dough from one day and use it the next day. They didn't have this kind of dry packaged convenience yeast, but they'd just keep a little bit from the previous day and mix it in with the next day's dough, and it would do its work. And it kind of reminds me of one of those culinary fads that we go through every so often, where uh, where people make that Amish friendship bread. Some of you are familiar with that, you know, where you make that starter uh, dough and and you keep a little bit for the next batch and you pass them on to other people, maybe along with a, a loaf of the Amish friendship bread. Real hospitable kind of thing to do. Now, if you only buy bakery bread, as is pretty typical in our household, then maybe you don't know how yeast works. So let me just tell you, if you're making a loaf of bread, I had to look this up. You, you use yeah you use flour, you use water, you use um, a little bit of oil, a little bit of salt. You knead it all together along with a little bit of yeast. And uh, that yeast has to be moistened a little bit and it all, goes, it all goes in that batch together. And if you were to take all of that, that ingredients mix just like that and put it in your oven right away, you'd end up with this kind of rock hard clump of stuff that you're not going to really want to eat. Uh, But you have to let that yeast work. You have to set it in a hot place. Anywhere outdoors today would work, I think. And you just set it there for a while, and that yeast starts to cause the... uh, the, the, the sugars in the dough to metabolize. And it, it starts to create this carbon dioxide, little gas bubbles. And they become bubbles because the, the flour itself has this gluten stuff in it that's kind of elastic, and it captures that gas. And so you let that, those gas bubbles rise for a little while, and then you put that dough in the oven, and it rises even more. And as that bread break, bakes firm, um, it's like a sponge. You've had bread that's nice and soft, right? Because the yeast has created those little bubbles that uh, expanded the dough and made that bread very palatable, very tasty. Obviously, in both of these illustrations, Jesus is saying something about small things growing into larger things. A tiny seed into a tree, a little bit of yeast into a, a, a loaf, a generous, tasty loaf of bread. And... What is it that Jesus is really getting at when he says that this small thing is like the kingdom of God? What is he saying when he's saying the kingdom of God is like a little mustard seed or like yeast? Is he saying something about the potential within a small church, like the church that I pastor, or within a small group in your congregation, or is he saying something about a new ministry idea, something that isn't even getting off the ground yet? If Jesus is talking small, I encourage us to think small in applying all of this. Let's think, let's just think on a personal level about ourselves. Can it be that Jesus is saying some things about the kingdom of God and you and me, each of us individually, about our individual personal lives in relationship to God. I th- think, after all, we each know how, how challenging it is to feel significant in the scope and scale of, of this big universe, right? Do I matter? Do I matter for the kingdom? And yet these two parables inspire thinking about possibility, and potential. And I think Jesus is speaking that message into our personal lives. In fact, Jesus had a a specific kind of potential in mind. Where where the kingdom of God is, there is a force at work. There's a a force that's life-affirming that's even life-giving, that's graceful, and, and that's hospitable. I think we see that picture even in, the, in that tree, hosting the birds. In the loaf of bread, friendship bread, where there's even more you can pass on to others. God's kingdom produces, I believe, in us something that's life-giving, Something hospitable, something life-affirming and grace-giving. This fact is made clear in the way Jesus tells both of these parables. And, And he tells them in such a way that we see that this quality doesn't just happen. It doesn't just come to be because you are but it comes to be out of an intentionality. And I'm going to go back to the, each of those parables and, and read a sentence. I mean, that's just about all there is in each of the parables. But see if you pick out a common thought, a common word, a, a similarity between what happens to make the seed work and the, the yeast work. Jesus says, it's like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour. You hear that word, don't you? Took, just a little word kind of stuck in the middle of each of those parables. But in each case, this tiny thing gets taken up. And something gets done with it. It gets planted in some soil. It gets kneaded into some dough. Something needs to be done with it. And I think the idea Jesus had in mind starts to come clearer to us as we think about the kingdom of God and our life and this small thing. I think we can see in the mustard seed And in the yeast, that concept that Jesus talked about in that other passage from Luke, Luke 17, where he talks about faith as small as a mustard seed. I think Jesus is talking about our lives and our faith and taking up faith and planting it and kneading it. So that the qualities of God's kingdom, those life-affirming, life-giving, hospitable, grace-filled qualities come to be and are enlarged in who you are and in who I am. Thinking of that faith, that little seed planted and watered by prayer and fertilized with the truths of the Bible, and staked up with obedience, and warmed with solitude and meditation. All of these disciplines that let that little seed of faith begin to grow and become something of usefulness for God's sake. Back in May, I attended a seminar at Calvin Seminary on the uh, happy subject of funerals. Um, It actually was a very interesting seminar. Uh, The the presenters, Thomas Lynch, who's an undertaker, and Thomas Long, who's a a very well-known preacher, pastor, um, and seminary professor, uh, the two of them speaking together about this whole subject of funerals. They wrote a book together called The Good Funeral, and just lots of illustrations that they used to, to show us, mostly pastors who were gathered there, how, how things have changed so rapidly in recent years around how we handle end of life and, and funerals. Traditions that have developed over hundreds of years, even thousands of years, now just sort of falling away. And we're doing things differently. And the two of them really lamenting that fact in front of us and helping us to see what's come to be. And one of the things that they, they really focused on and pointed out is this transition from funerals to celebration of life services, which are becoming very common and, and there is much that can be good about about these services as well but the thing that they that they pointed out is that these celebration of life services so often just become so big on the trinkets of life and you know you remember Ralph for being an incredible soccer dad and and taking his kids to all the sports game and he's up there in the in the in the in the, the, the the seats just cheering them on every game never misses a one or or we you know, raving about Sally's incredible cooking. And everybody's got something to say about the pie she brings to the potlucks. And, you know, and, and Thomas Lynch and Thomas Long were saying, why do we have to work so hard to make something bigger of the lives of these people that we love? We do love them. We want to remember them well, But why do we have to just exaggerate them into the best of the best and can't? And then you stop to wonder, could it be because that seed of faith never got planted, never got kneaded into the yeast, into the dough? It never had opportunity to grow and become the thing that we celebrate The work of God in the life of the one we loved. That's a possibility. Left me wondering. When we think about the lives of people who just really exemplify the kingdom of God. Who would you name? I think some names just come quickly to mind. Mother Teresa... Henry Nowen, you know, and the irony of it is, you know, they're big names, but for people who never sought, you know, fame on the world screen, that was not the spectrum of their aim. They wanted simply to serve, and to let their faith in a sovereign God do a work bigger than themselves that little seed, that piece of yeast, it expanded. And in the case of the two that I mentioned, it grew very large. And we see it, and we celebrate it, even though they now have been deceased for some time. And we can think of others who now come onto the world scene and are are demonstrating the beauty of God's kingdom, its hospitality, its life-giving character, the affirmation of life and grace. and You know, we don't need to think at that, at that scale even to acknowledge that those little mustard seeds and, and pieces of yeast are at work, that God's kingdom is flourishing, it is expanding, it is growing, and it's making an impact in this world. I can say that because I'm absolutely certain that there are people in this room for whom that is true. And it's probably a good thing that I don't know you better than I do, because I'd probably stand here and start to be inclined to name some names and say, you know, here is an example, but that's the last thing any of these persons would want. They're simply doing what God has asked them to do. Take that seed of faith that he's gifted to them. Just like the seed I passed around. You have it in your hand or in your pocket or somewhere. And maybe you want to keep it with you for a few days, just reminding you of prospect and potential that God has for you. You may feel personally very small, very insignificant, but God has a different message Here's a different message. He says, take that seed of faith in me, your sovereign God. Water it with some prayer. Fertilize it with some time in my word. Stake it up with some obedience. And warm it with some solitude, some meditation, some time with me. And see what comes to be. For the sake of my kingdom. Let's pray together. God, what an incredible gift you give to us. In that thing we speak of as faith. And uh, how we have difficulty describing what that is. We can't uh, picture it we can't see it Um, but it is a gift you give to us to to trust in you to yield our lives to you to believe that this unnameable tiny thing we call faith can be planted within us like a mustard seed or like yeast and that you have you have amazing things in store for the sake of your kingdom through us God as we as we are here together in this room and think about this fact that you give this amazing truth to each one of us individually and yet you gather us collectively as the people of your kingdom Ivan Rest Church as a congregation what amazing thoughts God of the prospect and potential that you have we just celebrate that tonight Thank you, God, for your generosity, for your gifting, and for entrusting us to take up that seed of faith and plant it. And we find ways to do that today, tomorrow, and in all the days of our lives for your sake. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.